Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast because today I am joined by your own Blake Molan, a double Porsche Super Cup champion, Le Mans winner, double American Le Mans Series champion, Nürburgring 24-hour winner, three-time Dubai 24-hour winner, three-time Sebring 12-hour winner, but last but not least, the 2015 Dutch Winter Endurance champion. Jeroen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for making the time to chat to us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, great to be on the show. So let's say, uh, you, Jeroen, you come from a big racing family, your brother and your, your father as well. Uh, tell us uh, how you got started uh, in, in racing. Yeah, like you said, we are a big racing family. Uh, my dad was, uh, he started everything basically because he, uh, he didn't live too far away from uh, Zandvoort. Uh, and uh, he would uh, go there uh, um, on his bike and uh, and try to sneak in, uh, climb the fence and, and watch the F1 cars go around. And uh, he decided uh, that one day he had to do that himself. So he started working on that. He, he built his own go-kart and uh, crashed it as well on the normal streets, I think, a couple <laughs> of times. But uh, slowly he, uh, yeah, he moved forward and eventually he uh, even made it to Formula One doing a couple of races. Um, and uh, yeah, then uh, uh, me and my brother came into the picture. We uh, we traveled a lot uh, to the races with him. So uh, yeah, there was no other way that we were uh, gonna do uh, gonna do anything else than racing because we we loved it. I loved watching Formula One at the time. We we were uh, mostly at the F1 races in Europe because he was racing in the uh, in the pre races to the F1 races always in the Renault One Make series. So, uh, yeah, I really grew up in racing. And, uh, yeah, then obviously also we started go-karting and everything started going. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, great. I, I really look back to, uh, to uh, great times when I was young, uh, hanging out at the racetrack with my dad and watching Formula One. And, yeah, it was, it was a really nice time. And how much of, um, you know, that early times as a, as a child, you know, have it been so engrossed in racing? Yeah. How much of that would you put down to your, you know, obviously you've had a lot of success in your career and still still are achieving a lot. You know, how important was that, that childhood at the racetrack, do you think, to your, to your performance in your career later on? Yeah, I think you pick up a lot uh, along the way, uh, even uh, as a five-year-old, just listening to your dad coming out of the car, talking to the mechanics, uh, you know, understeer is not th- something you're unfamiliar with already at five, uh, or oversteer or whatever the term is. But you know, you 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 pick up so many little details and you watch so many races that uh, already that helps a lot. Uh, and then obviously we uh, we had the opportunity to uh, to do go karting, which actually we didn't do that much. Me and my brother had did like maybe six races a year, uh, not a lot of training. But uh, still, it's good. You know, you, you, you learn a lot there. And uh, yeah, being from a racing family, it's, it's also, I think, a bit easier to, to get further along with, uh, you know, in the start of your career with, with sponsorships and all those kind of things. You know the people in the sport. So it, it has helped a lot. I think uh, coming uh, yeah, completely from another uh, world or from another sport is really tough to... Uh, to move high up in in racing, but uh, yeah, we definitely had a yeah a really good good step there. Absolutely, and uh, much like Scotland, you know, the Netherlands has produced so many incredible drivers. Um, for, you know, for relatively small countries, we produce a lot of very successful drivers. Is there anything that you would put that down to? Why there's so many fast 
fast Dutchman? Well, I think it's uh, because you really have to fight to to get out of there. I mean, to to get to make it into the international scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's not so easy, and and because you fight a bit harder for it, uh, not just on track but also off track. I think that helps a lot. Uh, we can put a little bit down to the weather because I think uh, not just in Scotland but also in the Netherlands <laughs> we have quite a bit of rain. Uh, so yeah, you grow up with with changing conditions, uh, and I think uh, yeah that also teaches you a lot when you do go karts. But uh, yeah, it's it's small country. You have to fight a bit harder. I think uh, there are less uh, opportunities around, so uh, it definitely helps if you if you have to push harder for something. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Now, of course, a big part of, of, of what you do, uh, your own, is, is in the sports car racing world. And sometimes that, that can be with, uh, as you, you're the professional in the car, along with an amateur driver. And you've had an, an amazing amount of success with Ben Keating. And in fact, I, I, I can't believe it, nearly 100 races together already. Um, ben, to, in my opinion, is one of the, the finest amateur drivers in the sport, true amateur drivers who has his own business. Tell us about your experiences of driving with Ben, how you guys uh, first started working together and the experiences along the way. Yeah, he's an amazing guy. Uh, he's not just uh, a guy I race with, but uh, yeah, I would call him also one of my best friends uh, by now. We've been together seven years and... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, first of all, he's just a, a guy who's easy to work with, which is not always the case with uh, amateur drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they have all their different backgrounds, some are very wealthy. Uh, in, in some cases, they're used to everything being organized for them. But in racing, sometimes you have to really push yourself and, and make things happen yourself also uh, within a team. And uh, I think Ben works really hard to uh, yeah, to be quick um to have a good team around him and uh, yeah i can only be just really happy that uh, seven years ago he asked me to to join him in american Le Mans uh, for uh, the viper project and uh yeah since then uh, things have just gone really well we've we've won a lot of races and we've had so much fun along the way uh we we understand each other well i think we even drive a bit the same way we we typically have the same kind of feeling after we get out of a car and uh, we think the same way. We like strategy. Uh, so we like to talk about how, you know, how, how things should have been or could have gone. And, and also during the race to, to make the, the split second decisions, we really like to get involved. So we're kind of the same people uh, or personalities. And that, that also really helps. But I, I don't know many people who are more, and, and, yeah, I would say normal and, and, and nice to other people than, uh, than Ben. He's just an amazing guy. He's always there, always supportive, and uh, yeah, so uh, it's just great to run with him. I, I can imagine, and you know, you've you've obviously d- d- driven with quite a lot of amateur drivers. How would you rate his skill behind the wheel compared to some of the others you've driven with? Yeah, I think at the moment uh, he's probably the best uh, bronze driver out there, mm-hmm. and in uh, many classes now, uh, like WEC, uh, GTEM, what we are doing, uh, you need one bronze driver, and uh, uh, I think also in IMSA they will do uh, they will do more and more with bronze drivers at least one required on the car mm-hmm. and uh, yeah if I had to pick a bronze driver even you know if 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 there was no budget required he would be a really good pick so uh, he's already uh, being asked by more teams uh, here and there to to join them because he's really yeah really quick and uh, 
also one of his strong points is his endurance. He can really go long. Uh, he can, uh, yeah, really do three, four stints in a row, uh, and and he just gets quicker and quicker. Um, so yeah, he's for me at the at the moment uh, the best bronze driver there is probably in the world. Um, and uh, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, he's he he started only uh, in his high thirties, and uh, he's still getting better and better every every year, every race maybe even. So. It's really impressive. If he had started as a kid in go-karts, he would have been one of the best guys in our sport uh, as a pro, I'm pretty sure. Wow, that's quite incredible. And of course, you know, Ben took, uh, you know, he was one of the, the very lucky people to go out and, and basically buy one of the, you know, the very few privately owned Ford GTs. Tell us a little bit about that, that program and how that kind of came together and you know, what was it like taking such a special car like that to, to, to Le Mans? Uh, it was really special for, for a lot of reasons. Uh, obviously, it's a special car, so that already mm. is, a bit, is the start. But Ben uh, grew up uh, as a uh, yeah with, with his dad having a, a Ford dealership. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, his brother started Ford dealerships. He owns Ford dealerships. So the connection between him and Ford was already pretty big. Um it was run by Bill Riley, whose dad, Bob Riley, was involved in the in the Le Mans win in uh, the 60s with Ford, uh, developing the car. So uh, we even had uh, yeah the, the people uh, working for, with Ford uh, together for so ma- so many years already on the team. And then uh, also Ganesi was helping us out, who were uh, yeah very good friends with Bill and have won Daytona together for many many years. Mm-hmm. So the whole group of people together was just uh, yeah amazing. Everything had a connection, and uh, we were all uh, loving yeah driving that car. It was uh, truly uh, nice to see also uh, how it was received by the fans and. Yeah, it, it, and I still we we still talk about it uh, every time we see each other. It was such a nice week. It was uh, yeah, such a nice race uh, and such a nice car. It is, yeah, it's a beautiful. And I, I even uh, uh, of course the color scheme of the car is kind of now uh, it's now established. It's uh, the the winds, the 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 purple and pink and orange, a very brightly colored car. I even have some uh, Wins for GT socks. Actually, it shows you how special the car is when they, they, yeah. they make a pair of socks out from it. But uh, of course, looking forward, of course we we know that obviously uh, Ben's uh, put the, the Ford into his collection. But now you're going, you know, going to Le Mans next week with the wonderful Porsche 911 RSR, normally aspirated. Tell us about what it's been like changing to the Porsche. Uh, racing it in the World Championship, and uh, how are you and Ben and Felipe feeling heading into the big race next week? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think it's a great car. Uh, I think in the end, all the GTE cars are getting closer and closer together, so mm-hmm. uh, it's not a completely different car to drive than the Ford or even the Ferrari or all the other cars that are out there. It's, it's you know, the rules make it so that the cars are, are yeah quite equal and... Uh, uh, it's it's a great car to drive. Porsche has done a great job there. Uh, as a driver, you don't have to do too many things inside the car uh, with settings or stuff like that. You can just focus on driving, um, and it's really built to uh, yeah to to do 24-hour races. So uh, it's it's a uh, yeah it's a good package. In the end, uh, after we got disqualified last year, that the team won uh, with that car. So uh, we basically joined the winners of last year. The winners of last year joined the winners of last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. I think we have a, a really good chance to win. 
But uh, yeah, on the other end, the competition is really big. We have uh, the biggest class, I think, uh, well over 20 entries. Uh, and of those uh, entries, I think uh, at least 10, but maybe more, are, are really, really serious competition with, with really good lineups and teams behind them. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, so it's hard to say who's going to win, but we know we have a chance. And, and going to Le Mans with, with the chance to win is already something. You don't get that chance every year. So, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. We've been together as a team for a while now, me and Ben and Felipe, and it's uh, easy working with each other. Also with Felipe, he's such a nice guy and we're having fun. We know how to deal with each other. We know how to handle things. We know if something is wrong, to how to, how to say it, how to put it down. So in the end, uh, it, the working together is really easy and that should help us uh, doing well next week. And you never know, might be a a, a second uh, a second Porsche Le Mans win for you. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, it would be cool. I mean, it's <laughs> uh, it's uh, not easy to win Le Mans. I've noticed that now. Uh, it it looked pretty easy in 2008. At the time, it was only my third Le Mans, and uh, and then you win it. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't win it. Uh, I haven't won it since. Uh, if you uh, yeah, because last year didn't count. So. Uh, uh it it's a tough race uh so many things can happen so uh yeah we have to make most of our chance here but uh also enjoy it because it's Le Mans it's a great track great car uh unfortunately no spectators but uh it will still be a really cool event I think and that's an interesting point about the spectators well that obviously it's a very busy week with a lot of commitments well will that give you guys a little bit more spare time a little bit more time to relax without so many people in the paddock yeah, but it's it's really unfortunate. Um, mm-hmm. Le Mans is not Le Mans without the fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the whole experience of going there a week early for scrutineering, uh, hanging out at the racetrack for a week together as a team is, is just so nice. Sometimes it feels a bit long in the beginning of the week, but then suddenly it's Sunday afternoon and it, then it goes really quickly. So it's uh i'm really gonna miss the whole true Le Mans experience uh and not seeing the fans out there because yeah Le Mans is magical uh and that's what really makes this race big so uh, yeah it's gonna be a bit strange uh they've compressed everything into four days uh including a 24 hour so um it's a busy week in terms of uh just yeah the actual work of driving and, and setting up the car and all that kind of stuff but yeah there's nothing else going on so uh we can uh once out of the car, you can just relax. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna miss it. It's uh, it's it's been it's gonna be my 15th. But uh, experience-wise, probably uh, yeah, it's it's not yeah not gonna be like the other 14. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Hopefully, it will be the only one like that. Fingers crossed. Uh, of course, on the on the subject then of of uh, of endurance racing, obviously Sebring is uh, another classic endurance race, a 12-hour race. Completely different challenge to Le Mans. You've won it three times. Uh, what what is it that that clicks for you with that particular? Is it the circuit or the race? Uh, tell us about why why you you think you've been so successful there. Yeah, I love the track. I love that event too. Also, a lot of fans. Uh, a really good atmosphere. Uh, very different to Le Mans because you have all the yellow. So uh, there, it's really important to be strong in the last three hours. Uh, it doesn't matter too much what you do uh, in the first three hours, and then. In the middle, okay, it starts to matter a bit more, but still you just got to stay out of trouble mainly. And then in the end, uh, when, it, when it gets dark, that's where you really have to be quick and, and on it. Uh, I've had some really cool races there. And 
yeah, I just love the racing in general in, in America with the yellows, restarts. Uh, it's exciting. It's uh, it's always fun. The tracks are challenging. Uh, also, Sebring, if you make a mistake, you're probably in the hole. So uh, it's just a, a very cool feeling to uh, to drive there. And uh, I've also been lucky to have uh, good teams uh, there because in the end, uh, it's a 12-hour, but you need a really quick car. So you need a good setup and everything has to be right. And you need good teammates as well. So I've been in, in good positions, but actually quite unlucky on a, on a few occasions too. So uh, it could have been more wins even, but uh, I mean, I can't complain. I've won there and hopefully, uh, yeah, there we'll have some more success there. Oh, oh fingers crossed. Well, let's look a little bit further back. Um, the, there was back in the, some listeners might not not remember this, but of course back back in the mid two thousands there was a very ambitious project, the Spiker project, to build a kind of Dutch Dutch sports car, Dutch racing car, and it was incredibly brave and took on the very highest level of motor racing. T- tell us about your involvement in the project. We know that you went to Le Mans there a few times with the team, but tell us about the project and what it was like at the time. Yeah, it was uh, really nice. Uh, I mean, in, uh, I got involved because I wanted to do Le Mans. I was uh, young and I, w- I was doing DTM at the time, and um, I saw Le Mans a few times on TV. I was even there a couple of times with... Uh, with uh, my dad racing there, so uh, I knew like, okay, I want to be there. And then, uh, yeah, then there was this Dutch team. So we actually, I went there to to talk to them in 2005 or four, can't remember, but uh, we had a good chat. Uh, I was not allowed by contract from DTM to uh, to uh, do it. So unfortunately, uh, yeah, I couldn't do Lamar yet. But uh, it was really cool. It was really nice to uh, to be involved. And then, yeah, the project was good. I mean the in the end, we uh, in 2006 we almost won Le Mans against Porsche and Ferrari. Uh, in the end, after 16 hours, the engine failed, but uh, it was uh, yeah, it was really cool. We had a, a great car. Then uh, I think 2007, a lot of new GT cars came out for Ferrari and Porsche, and we struggled again a bit. But uh, in 2009 or 10, we finished fifth again at Le Mans. So, yeah, we were never far away, and it was really impressive because the it's a small team. I mean, it wasn't like a, a huge factory mm-hmm. behind it like Porsche or Ferrari. So we had a yeah, we had a we had fun times. We could develop a lot ourselves, uh, or at least give a lot of input ourselves. So uh, that was also interesting. You could really the rules were a bit more open, no real BOP. So uh, yeah, you could push. Push the people, try to get more money from from the factory to to develop a bit, and in the end we had a, yeah we had great times. And have you driven one of the street cars before the Spiker? Yeah, on a few occasions I did. Um, I must admit, in the beginning, uh, I don't think the cars drove very well, uh, <laughs> like right at the beginning. But also there, they they learned a lot and they got nicer and nicer. Uh, a bit the same with the race car because the first time I drove the race car, it was not easy to drive. It was, uh, yeah, uh, some people couldn't drive it at all. They would just spin and go off. And but it was uh, it got better and better. They were uh, there were some smart people behind the project and they uh, they really developed everything. And uh, yeah, both with the road road cars and the race cars. So. Uh, in the end, it was a nice factory, and uh, yeah, I just saw a couple of weeks ago that they're trying to come back, which is, I think, really cool news. And uh, you never know, maybe maybe I'll be back there too. I have not been in touch yet, but uh, I wouldn't mind being again involved in a project like that because it's just fun. You can work on it yourself. You can 
you can you have a lot of influence so it's it's a lot of fun to to do ah i see because i i read the same article that was boris rottenberg of uh, br engineering and smp racing have, have got involved with the project i understand yeah yeah and it's still uh, the same owner from the netherlands victor muller who is uh, who is uh, who made the deal with those guys and um, yeah, he's an unbelievable person uh, because he's been been through really rough times with Spiker, mm-hmm. uh, and no one would have ever believed that they would still be there. And uh, he's still there, and it looks like they're actually coming back racing as well. So uh, I will uh, for sure uh, contact him uh, in the near future to see uh, where they stand. But I first wanted the dust uh, the dust to settle a little bit and let them work on everything and then they know probably a bit more what they want to do. But uh, yeah, it would be fun to come back. Uh, I did my first Le Mans with them in 2006. So uh, let's uh, let's see if we can uh, continue racing with them in the future. Oh, that'd be very cool. So when it's uh, your own Blake and pops up on his phone, he'll know what you're calling about. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, we, I haven't seen him in, in many years now, but uh, we always had a great relationship. He was uh, always very good to me, nice to me. Um, and uh, yeah, whenever he had the chance to put me in the car, he did. Uh, I left on a few occasions to, to do, for example, the RS Spider at, at, in 2008. Uh, but they totally understand or understood. They were like, "Yeah, okay, you have a chance to to win an LMP2, so uh, go and and do it." So uh, we always had a good relationship, and uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. But uh, it's exciting to see them coming back. It certainly is. It absolutely is, and. Uh... You know, t- talking of uh, you know those racing experiences, you uh, um, I've been down to Australia to run in the Bathurst 1000 and uh, in the V8 supercars. Uh, tell us about those cars and that championship because it seems such a specialised series where only really the Australian and New Zealand drivers seem to you know be, seem to compete. But how did you find it jumping into those quite unique cars? <coughs> Yeah, it was a really cool experience, but uh, also really tough. Uh, the first time I was involved was uh, in the international driver race uh, at Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. So international drivers uh, were allowed to or had to drive with the, the, the local guys, the main guys for the championship. They had to find someone uh, yeah, from racing outside of Australia and, and New Zealand. So uh, they invited all these uh, IndyCar guys and, and ALMS guys and even some former F1 guys. So it was really cool. But also there we saw how hard it was. And um, I think uh, everybody was off the pace, to be honest. There wasn't a single international driver, uh, you know, and there were there was some big talent out there, but there wasn't a single one who was on the same pace as the, the local drivers. Uh, and some of them would actually struggle really, really badly because it was such a tough car to drive. But I, I loved it from the beginning. The the, the racing is really cool. It's, uh, again, a different atmosphere than racing in Europe or even racing in, in America. So uh, I pushed really hard to come back. And, and luckily, uh, yeah, they, they uh, the next year there were no international driver requirements anymore. So they could basically hire anyone. But that also meant that uh, they could hire uh, one driver for the three endurance races, uh, including Bathurst. So then I got the chance to uh, to drive with Shane van Gisbergen, who is obviously one of the top guys. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, then it clashed for a few years for me, and now it's really hard to get back into. But uh, any day I would go back there because it's so much fun. Uh, the event is huge, uh, the Bathurst 1000. 
the cars I think are a little bit easier now, but still really tough. So uh, yeah, it would be fun to to go back. But uh, it was racing wise, it was probably one of the coolest things to do because the racing is really hard but really fair and uh, yeah, just yeah, uh, very entertaining. I love watching those races myself too. It's it's really uh, nice to. Uh, to be yeah to be there to to have seen it all so you know uh, how things are working there yeah it's uh, for, i com- completely agree with you i keep a very close eye on the the championship and uh, young mr mclaughlin he seems to be uh, he seems to be head and shoulders above the rest at, at the moment it, it seems uh, tell, the, those what is it that makes them so difficult is it is it the weight or is it the power or what is it specifically that that proves such a challenge to those who are unfamiliar with the the v8 supercar do you think yeah, it's it's a lot of power, uh, low grip, pretty small tires, uh, brakes not great, not a lot of aero. So the car is moving around all the time. Uh, it's really hard to put the power down. You, you're very limited on tires, so usually you're running on all tires. So all in all, it's just a, a tough car. And I, they, they, uh, when when I was invited for the first time, they let me run in the New Zealand V8 Super Tours, which is quite similar to the V8s, but just a bit smaller, uh, not not as big as the V8 supercars, but it's still a, a nice series for New Zealand. And um, yeah, I, I I learned a lot there. It was uh, not easy to get involved in the beginning and to 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 be on the pace. But uh, I was actually racing against McLaughlin there. He was an up and coming. Uh, a uh, guy from New Zealand, and uh, you could tell that he was going to be uh, a big talent because he was really young at the time. I, I don't know his, his age, but he, he must have been like 16 or, or 18 maximum. Wow. But uh, he was flying. He was uh, really quick, and uh, that was a lot of fun. It was good to do that, but uh, it's just uh, yeah, it's just uh, so different than the race cars we, we race here. Uh, different aero, different power, so it's, uh, yeah... It was uh, for a long time still sequential, uh, where we were already using the the shift pedal. So it was uh, more work, but uh, in a way also more fun. Absolutely. Now the uh, well, two last two questions, and uh, these are a little bit more off the wall. These questions. Now, in my opinion, the Netherlands has the best snack bars in the world, with some very unique. Uh, treats now my favorite is the uh is the kip satay that's my favorite in the dutch snack bar do, <laughs> yeah. do you have a do you have a particular favorite when you go to the snack bar uh we we don't go there too often because in the end we know it's not too healthy but in the end yeah it's also you see them everywhere so you want to you still want to every now and then go but uh, yeah i mean uh, if you are here i think a crocket is one of the uh, one of the good good things or frikandel so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's nice. We have our own uh, little things, not just uh, windmills and clocks, but also uh, yeah, also that, and uh, we really uh, we can really enjoy it every now and then. I'm glad I'm not a racing driver, so I don't have to worry about the healthy side. I can I can uh, enjoy it as much as I want to when I come over <laughs> yeah. to, to the Netherlands. Now, final final question, uh, and this is one that I ask I ask every guest I have on the show. I call it the racing genie question. And basically, it's uh, if you could choose any race in any car and any co-driver to do it in, what would you or who would you pick? Oh, that's a, that's not an easy one. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, there's so many. I have to say, I'm already pretty happy with with the things I've done. 
Uh, I mean, going to Lamar, I can't at the at the moment imagine doing it with anyone else than Ben, for example. But uh, doing the Bathurst 1000 again with Shane wouldn't be bad either. <laughs> so uh, it's 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 not an easy one. But I'm actually yeah really really happy to uh, to do the big races like Lamar and Daytona and Sebring. The biggest is probably Le Mans. So, uh, yeah, I would just say do Le Mans uh, again because that's, uh, yeah, that's for me still uh, the biggest one. And uh, if I can do it for another couple of years with Ben, I think that's uh, then I'm totally happy because it's, uh, yeah, we're we're having a good run. So hopefully we can uh, pick up some more uh, trophies. Is is there any particular dream car on the list that's still one that you would, you would love to jump into, either classic or, or modern? Yeah, I'm not that much of a, a car guy, to be honest. Uh, I've I've had the opportunity to drive some classic cars, um, which was kind of cool. But uh, maybe the new uh, the new LMP ones could be interesting. Uh, you know, and if you're in the right car and you can fight for an overall win, obviously that would be mega. Uh, so any chance for that, I would definitely uh, try to get involved. So uh, you never know. But I think those cars will actually be pretty cool, and then uh, hopefully in 20 years we, uh, yeah, we look back at them and and we can really say how cool they were and how cool the competition was. Oh, absolutely. Well, Jeroen, thank you so much for uh, for making the time to come on the show. I wish you, Felipe, and Ben all the very best of luck uh, for Le Mans next week. We'll be uh, watching with uh, a lot of beers <laughs> on the TV uh, and uh, yeah we'll we'll be cheering for you and thank you so much for making the time and uh, yeah all the very best of luck for for Lamont. Thank you and thanks for being on the show. No no problem.